On today's episode, Caitlin and I sit down with two special guests, Drake Griggs and Kimmy Wiley of Peak Pursuit Rehab in Salt Lake City. It was truly a blast chatting with not one, but two doctors of physical therapy about the ins and outs of rehab for climbers. In this discussion, we get the 411 on injury prevention, posture, and we uncover what physical therapists really wish you understood. Strap in. You're about to have your world rocked. You're listening to The Average Climber Podcast. All right. Welcome, everyone, to our first episode of The Average Climber Podcast, where we have guests we have tricked two whole people <laughs> into talking with us today, and I'm so excited to have them. So we have Drake Griggs and Kimmy Wiley here from Peak Pursuit Performance Rehab, and I'm super excited to talk to them about PT and how it's going to help you with your climbing. But first, I'm going to ask everyone an interesting question. If you had to guess which animal is responsible for most of the power outages in the United States... What do you think? What do you think it would be? Squirrel. Anyone else got a guess? Some type of bird. Mm. Not sure. I was gonna say a porcupine, but I think squirrel's a little better guess. Oh yeah, I feel like they they do stay on the ground, don't <laughs> those porcupines? <laughs> nice. The answer is squirrel. Okay, now this <gasps> one's fun. Good I job, did Caitlin did it. Heck yeah, <laughs> crushing it already. I Part can one leave of the podcast. You can leave now. <laughs> You're good. Tap out. All right. Okay. This is this is also interesting though because it is. I'll have y'all guess how how many what percent of power outages do you think squirrels alone are responsible for in the U.S. annually? Thirty-three percent. Whoa. Okay. Anyone else got a guess? Seven point five. Okay, well, that was, that was very specific. <laughs> 20? 20? Okay. Drake, if we round up your answer, the answer is 8%. Whoa. 8%. Squirrels. Wow. Isn't that... Well, isn't that fascinating? It's Welcome to the Average <laughs> Climber Podcast. I'm Lauren Abernathy. I'm one of your co-hosts. I am a personal trainer and climbing coach, and I'm here with my co-host, Caitlin... I'm Caitlin. I am a certified nutrition specialist who works with climbers and athletes to help them just feel better and also crush harder. Yes, we are all here to help you crush rocks more and better. So I will let Drake and Kimmy introduce themselves and their awesome rehab business. So if y'all want to do a little intro, <laughs> Kimmy's like, I'm pointing at Drake. <laughs> You're dealing with it. Sure. Yeah. My name is Drake Riggs. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. So we do all things rehab at our business. Uh, in terms of who we hang out with the most, I would say it's active adults and outdoor enthusiasts. Sweet which includes rock climbers. I have to spell that out because this is a climbing podcast. In case but, oh. you didn't know why you were here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's the reason right there. <laughs> Kimmy, you want to do a little intro yourself too? Uh, yeah, I'm Kimmy Wiley, also a doctor of physical therapy and near, Drake's partner. Doctors! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so excited. <laughs> partner at, uh, and co-owner of Peak Pursuit Performance and Rehab. Uh, and yeah, we're here to help all climbers and outdoorsy humans keep crushing. Wow, it seems like we all have a similar mission, which is run tiny businesses where we help rock climbers do stuff. So Because you're important, yeah. and we want you to feel more than average sometimes. Yes, precisely. <laughs> S- 
so I will. So I actually a couple weeks back, um, I went. Oh, I guess it's been more than that. I have done my physical therapy, Kimmy and Drake, and my shoulder is feeling better. Ayo. But I wanted to open this up by saying, so when I went in, so I was having like some pretty intense shoulder pain when I went to Drake and Kimmy and. We had a really interesting visit together, and net net, I got some good rehab, came out of it, ready to rip, shoulders feeling better about a month later, which is really cool. But Drake said something really interesting when we were in our appointment, and he essentially was like, yeah, we could run some, like, diagnostic tests on the table, but at the end of the day, I don't really know if it's going to tell me that much, and your rehab's going to, like, look the same either way. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I thought that was so interesting, because I do think like people get really diag like specific diagnosis obsessed and i i mean you'd think it was important but yeah as caitlin and i were talking about this in the car earlier and caitlin was like what that's wild so if you could you know like elaborate I if don't you have to spend all this money on testing yeah if i don't like, need to like weird so yeah i'd love to hear more yeah for a friend say more it's interesting yeah for sure so if you think about going to a PT or an ortho doc or a sports med doc, we all do the same sort of tests where we, let's talk about the shoulder, right? So we put you in a certain position, maybe uh, see if that has pain or see how strong you are in that position, see how you feel, how far you can move. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of these tests, if you look at like the data on them, they're by themselves not well, like not very good at... Uh, differentiating any sort of tissue at the shoulder itself and if you think about it since like the shoulder is a fairly complex joint we have multiple joints involved multiple muscles um, it's really hard to differentiate which one is actually causing the problem so I think it's more important to look at the history the training and really chat listen to people um, hear where they're at and then give them a plan and basically give them my thoughts on what they should be doing in terms of rehab. I I feel like what's interesting about that, aside from not really needing necessarily a specific diagnosis, is to hear you talk about it in terms of like, what are you doing for training? Because I've worked with PTs in the past who are not themselves athletes. And I think that there's a gap in what we're able to accomplish together. And, you know, I'm, I go in and I, I feel like, yeah, I, I get some good PT, but the first time I went to a PT who was also a climber, I was like, oh my God, you get me, you understand. <laughs> yeah, I think 100%, like that's the biggest thing is finding somebody who actually knows like the demand of the sport that you're participating in, because if they've never been a climber in the past, like they're not going to know how to load your fingers or your shoulders, you know, it's a completely, it's a very niche sport if that's totally. a word niche niche yes. but so oh, yeah <laughs> everyone debates that but that's a grand debate <laughs> we'll add that to the this or that later <laughs> yeah but it's like totally instead of like doing all these diagnostic tests which you can do it can help you a little bit but it's more important to look at the sport itself and be like these are the demands um no matter what you're going to be doing these motions so it doesn't necessarily matter if like this specific test is what's aggravating but it's like what are you doing on the wall that is aggravating mm. and what can we do to change up your training to hopefully make those muscles more resilient make those tendons more resilient and not cause you that pain that makes so much sense <laughs> Yeah, like they're just speaking of just different diagnoses. I had one athlete who said, you know, I have 
a free visit to this ortho through my insurance. He doesn't climb, but I'm going to go see him. And then I'm also going to see a climbing specific PT. I'm sure y'all can guess what happened. He gets two completely different diagnoses and two completely different recommendations. Also, I'll just have everyone guess. What do we think that the regular doctor that does not rock climb said about this individual's finger injury? Stop climbing. Ding, ding, ding. If y'all had to guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much the the common answer (laughs) that happens every time. Yeah. I think that's what scares people off from seeing healthcare professionals too, because like we don't want to stop climbing. It's like something that we enjoy doing and we love doing it. Like... And if I go see a healthcare professional, are they going to be like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this at all for the rest of your life? Like, that's just not the right answer. Yeah, I see that too in my field. People are like, please don't make me stop eating donuts. And I'm like, well, let me tell you. How many donuts I sometimes have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, we're not subtracting, we're adding. But (laughs) Wow, wow. That That makes a lot of sense. Okay, this is so... You know, personally, when I have an athlete that gets an injury severe enough that we, you know, can't fix it with just like generally a couple of coach coach type modifications, I will send them to a physical therapist or some kind of doctor that understands rock climbing. And I have never had an athlete be so injured that they are told they cannot rock climb ever, like not one time. So what percentage of the time do you usually have to tell people you cannot return to sport? for over a month like how often does that happen i can't think of a time whoa i mean i'm sure broken Mm. bones are kind of different it's like well you can't really walk without crutches so you won't be rock climbing but that's different interest oh wow never yeah i think the the thing is if somebody's coming to see us they're they're walking around they're doing most of their normal things it's just Mm -hmm. some of those things are painful now, if you end up in the ER, I bet you there's a lot of different stat about that. Yeah, but fair. in terms of like what we see, there's I can only think of like one case where we're like, yeah, I don't think that this is the right spot for you. And it wasn't a climber in that case, but it, majority of things are muscle or musculoskeletal related, which are totally PT related things that we see that people come to us for. But generally with your climbers, they come in and you're like, yeah, you can still climb, but we're just going to change the way you're doing it a little bit until you're healed. Yeah. See people go to the freaking doctor when I tell you to. The right doctor. The right doctor. Yeah, I think that's the key thing is like find the right person. If they're telling you like absolutely you have to stop climbing, it's probably not the right person to see. Ooh, ooh, what are y'all's like red like red flags? Like if someone comes to you oh. after they've seen someone else, you can think about it for a second. What's like a red flag where you're like, maybe not that doctor. I don't know. <laughs> not trying to get you guys to talk shit about people, but also <laughs> like you can talk a little shit here, so Yeah, I mean, not to burn any bridges, but um I think a lot of things that I would hear that I don't like is like, oh I like my shoulder position i'm gonna relate this to the shoulder because um oh i was told like that my shoulder position or my my shoulder blades are not in the right spot and that's that's like why my pain is here or um you know if they have like a really specific diagnosis they go to a doc and they're like that's exactly what's going on i'm like okay are you sure or or not even necessarily questioning it and sometimes it's going along with it um and giving the person the benefit of the doubt and try not to create too much confusion, if you will. Um, but 
I think if you go to a PT or Cairo and we can tell you exactly what's happening in there, that's probably a red flag because we don't know 100% what's going on all the time. And isn't it, this is like my cursory knowledge of this that I certainly have not gone to school for, but isn't there a lot of like discrepancy with the way people read MRIs or x-rays and the diagnoses you get out of there? Ooh, like, ooh, Kimmy's yeah, making a right. face. <laughs> I'm just rolling my eyes over here. Um, <laughs> I think like diagnostic imaging x-rays and MRIs definitely have a place um but like you can look at the stats on almost any study and like if I had an MRI on any person over the age of 40 years old they're probably going to have what doctors are going to classify as degenerative disc disease and that's just like such a scary thing for people but that's just what happens as we get older like that doesn't mean that there's any pain associated with it doesn't mean that there's something that that's like mechanically wrong or going to hurt you it just means you're getting older you're showing a little bit of wear in your body but uh that's just one of the things yeah mris can come back like that in the shoulder labral tears are super super common even in people who don't have pain so like if all of a sudden you decide to get an mri and all of a sudden oh i have labral tears in my shoulder that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the cause of your pain and it doesn't necessarily mean like oh i have to have surgery for this i am blown away same this is kind of blowing my mind right now so it like just not to, to sum it up it kind of sounds like you all definitely come from a place of let's figure out what's causing you pain and then like get you strong enough so that we fix it and it does not cause you pain to do that Ooh, okay can we dig into the shoulder a little bit because something that kind of makes my eyes cross a little bit is when people say and i think like you mentioned this a little bit earlier but when people say things like oh the way i climb or the way i use my shoulders when i climb is why i am more injured or whatever or like you shouldn't or when people are like you shouldn't hang on your bones or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do this with your shoulders and i'm kind of sitting here like the number of different weird positions we need to put our arms into as rock climbers and the number of different weird rests we're gonna be in like all these things it just seems really like counterproductive to try to micromanage the way people are gonna navigate like certain shoulder positions like as they climb and especially when they're trying to perform on a project so I guess there's my opinion on it but yeah like what do you have to say about that like when people think the way they climb is like what the problem is um so kind of like dissect that question a little bit I think um (laughs) with the turn like in terms of our shoulder position i think it adapts to what we do for activities so everyone hears about oh climber posture or where our you know our shoulders are more forward maybe our neck is more forward but to be honest that's a pretty natural adaptation to the activity that we're trying to do right so we're loading those things more often so we are adapting into those positions so we're more likely to feel comfortable hanging out in those positions so you'll go to pt if you're like shoulders are forward and we'll say oh you got forward shoulder let's do some retractions or some rows and we do all stuff behind you Um, but it doesn't necessarily always change the pain that's happening necessarily so i don't think that shoulder position is a very good indicator of pain or symptoms hmm That is definitely interesting because I remember I had a boss who had a lot of comments and a lot of things to say. And 
he was like, oh, yeah, since you started this job, your posture has gotten significantly worse. And I was like, well, that's a big statement. Also, you don't know me at all. (laughs) And maybe it's because of this job. But also because I feel like I've been told in the past, too, like, oh, you have a shoulder injury now because you're you're slouching more or you're doing something wrong with your you know the way that you climbed and oh you have to strengthen this part of your shoulder because otherwise you're going to keep getting that injury when in actuality it, it it sounds like maybe that's not necessarily what happened it, it could have been a number of other things or just the nature of wear and tear in climbing yeah so i think that comes from a place um like a biomechanical place like mm. technically if we do have this so-called like perfect posture we're putting our body in this biomechanical like advantaged position where we're hopefully less likely to have injury Hmm. but as the research keeps coming out it just keeps saying like there is no perfect posture there is no posture that's more so associated with some certain injury and the same thing i think goes for climbing and like how we're moving on the wall like we're all going to move in a way that's natural for us and maybe it's actually more harmful to try to change what's natural for us Mm, and I mean that's not always the case but it's something to definitely think about wow speaking of posture um about every two weeks I will get in a fight with my other half about my posture (laughs) because let me just tell you like the cycle of what's happening maybe you'll be able to advise on how I can fix this (laughs) basically it'll be like my upper neck like my upper back and my neck will feel really really tight and then I'll be like, Mike, will you massage my upper back and neck? And we have a Theragun. And I'm like, you can use the Theragun. It'll feel nice. And then Mike will go, you need to stretch and you should have a better posture. And then we'll just kind of like rinse, repeat this cycle. And then I'm like, you're wrong. This is my job. I do this all the time and I think you're wrong. And then I still get a neck massage, but then we're a little mad at each other. So where can you help me? <laughs> What's happening? I've been here <laughs> for this conversation and this was four months ago. So... <laughs> yeah i'm really not making this up (laughs) this is the truth yeah so i mean (laughs) i think our our instinct is to uh anytime we feel something tight or painful we like oh i gotta stretch this thing right um and i don't think that's necessarily true either i think stretching has its place um i think the place of stretching is uh, the importance of it is becoming reduced over time. Um, I don't really program a lot of stretching for people in general. Um, only if there's like a major mobility deficit, maybe I'll do some sort of stretching, um, which I don't think your neck is immobile by any means. It's super mobile. I right. can move my head sassy all day. <laughs> maybe that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like uh, in terms of like, I know you have to do like a fair amount of desk work and stuff. And I actually have like a little anecdotal story about this. Um, I had a a guy come in and he had shoulder pain that was um, sort of like he would get like numbness tingling from his shoulders down. Right. And I was like, oh, what's been going on? You know, like what's been up? He's like, well, I'm a a desk worker. Um, I've been really trying to work on my posture lately. So I've been like, uh, you know, coming into an upright position, shrugging my shoulders back, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you feel any of that? Like when you're in your normal position, what, you know, working on your desk or, um, you know, 
just doing stuff in front of him, slouching in a chair or whatever. It's like, no, he's like, you only feel it when you're mm. sort of retracted in this position. So coming out of the neck, we have like some structures, including nerves, veins, arteries and stuff like that. So if we ended up forcing ourselves into positions that are less comfy, uh, necessarily, um, sometimes that can be provoking for that type of thing. Wow. So to my husband, if you're listening, my gargoyle position when I do work is not possibly the problem ever. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. This is what I'm it's like. Mike will come down and he'll just be like, you're sitting like a gremlin. And I'd be like, it's because I really need to go to the eye doctor. So I'm kind of leaning forward and squinting at my <laughs> laptop. And yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. And I, I, my roommate, when I was in Mexico was like giving me shit about it. And was like, your, your posture is stressing me out. And I'm like, it's none of your business this is this is fine <laughs> this is my so. personal problem i think yeah. like the most actionable takeaway is to have variability in our posture mm. there's there's like, like no that. like like you can't like not hang out in an upright position where you have quote unquote perfect posture you can totally go into that position you can totally be slumped over I think it's trying to find what's comfortable and then having variability. Maybe you go into standing, maybe you go into sitting, mm. you just change maybe it up. You go into fetal position, you know, it's just a variety. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I think I remember uh, my other half's father is a chiropractor and he's like, for long car rides, just like bring a pillow with you and then, to, you know, because we were driving, like, I don't know, we were talking about some car ride, but he, he was just like, bring a pillow with you and then just switch where you put the pillow throughout the drive and you might end up like, less sore or something because you're just changing like your I don't know if it's like that it, it felt nice it was also just nice to have a pillow but yeah that makes sense so like what okay if you were gonna switch like let's say you work like you know maybe work for four hours go take a break for an hour work for another four hours like how often would you like break up or like switch the way you're sitting um or what your position is while you work to kind of help I think what I do is if I start getting uncomfy I switch it up. It's very simple. So like, oh, uh, my butt is starting to hurt sitting in this way. So I'm going to switch it up. Or my hips are starting to feel tight. I'm going to stand up for a little bit. Or maybe vice versa. My hips are feeling icky from standing this whole time. So I'm going to sit down. It's almost as if Drake is literally reading my mind as I'm sitting in a very awkward position in this chair right now. Where I'm like, I would like to move, but I don't want to make noise. <laughs> I have just my stool leaned up against a door that can definitely like kind of bat against the wall in the background. We will, someday we will be having a Patreon soon and hopefully you guys will help us afford more comfortable chairs because I just have a weird <laughs> stool in a closet right now. So <laughs> we will we will get there with our studio. But until then, this is what we got. So yeah, no, that's super helpful. I think... So you could, so basically we can tell the posture police to kind of chill out and not feel so bad and yeah, not cool think, your jets posture police. Yeah, it's all right. sirens off posture police. No more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that is a good a good stopping place. Shall we take a brief break? Yes, a journey yes. into this or that. Oh yes, a brief journey into a fun game of this or that for our first guests that have ever been on the podcast. All right, it's time. Here you go. Time for a break. Right, so we're taking a little break and Drake and Kimmy are going to play some this 
or that with us. So are y'all ready to make instantaneous decisions about things that sort of matter, but probably don't matter that much? Oh, ready? (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Actually, they matter a lot. All right. Kimmy's going to go first. (laughs) This first one matters. I'm curious. Okay. First, first this or that. Sport or bouldering? Bouldering. Bouldering. Right on. Right answer. No, boo. (laughs) Wrong. You're all bad. I'm leaving. Okay, okay. The next one, this one also matters. Just kidding. They're all important. Barbell or dumbbells? Barbell. Barbell. All right. We're still good. Okay. Taping or braces? (laughs) I figured you guys were going to be like, ew. (laughs) Neither if possible, but I guess taping. Yeah, neither but taping. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. I love it. Okay, beer or wine? Beer. Beer. Nice, nice. <laughs> You're we're all in agreement one. You're going to hate it. I wrote it ahead of time <laughs> knowing you were going to hate it. X-rays or MRIs? <laughs> <laughs> Making all the confused faces. Um, I guess MRIs. They'll tell me more at least. Yeah, we'll go MRIs on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm glad we got to talk about MRIs before this so that everyone understands. Okay, slab or overhang? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go slab. Overhang. Okay. Wow. This is is this something a point of contention in your relationship? A little bit. (laughs) It's a constant fight. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we're going to the slabs. We're climbing overhangs. Yeah, that that is a wild way to operate, Kimmy. I'm impressed. Yeah, Salt Lake's got a lot of slabs. I love it. You're gonna have a great time. She's gonna be sliming off of granite. It's gonna be awesome. (laughs) She's like, wait a minute. Can I? I'm rethinking the answer. (laughs) You ain't seen this granite friction slab we got going. We haven't been here during climbing season yet, so (laughs) got a little cottonwood slip and cheese grate your face. Oh man. All right, all right. Roller skates or roller blades? Roller blades. I think I've only roller skated. I'm going to go roller skate. There we go. Yeah. Another, <laughs> another device roller, issue. You know. <laughs> nice. Ooh, this one's um trendy. Spider-Man or Batman? Oh, I haven't seen the new Batman yet, but I have seen the new Spider-Man. This is really about Robert mm. Pattinson or not is the real question. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go Spider-Man then. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Spider-Man as well. Nice. Well, isn't Tom Holland like five years old? Like... <laughs> He no, just looks he, like it. <laughs> he's an adult and he's dating Zendaya. So. Okay, but she's also five years old. No, she's like 25. What? Okay, well, I'm an asshole. All right. <laughs> iced or hot coffee? Uh, I'll go iced. Hot. The last one is so could be a point of contention. Camping or cabin? Camping. Camping. Oh, oh. speak the truth. <laughs> <laughs> we both decided... We are not in division on this. <laughs> Cabins. Cabin. I have one more actually that will explain the context to you, but for our listeners, you'll this is the burning question. Ghosts or megafauna? Like giant sloths. Wait, like which one's scarier or what do you just just pick initial one. reaction? What, what what stands out for you means the most to you, really just sits well with you. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go uh, megafauna on that one. Yeah, I'd like never heard that word before today. So <laughs> Get ready. We got information for you after this episode. Yes. We'll tell you all about how big sloths used to be and how little horses used to be. <laughs> they used to be very small and they got bigger. I don't know how evolution works. 
It, I do, actually. That's a lie. I did pass biology in college and in high school. So, well, this has been thoroughly embarrassing. You guys did great. And we will get back Thanks to talking about putting up with us. stuff. All right. <laughs> So I have a burning question because I feel like a lot of the athletes I work with, there's this disconnect between nutrition, training, and injury prevention and recovery. So my question is, do you ever refer people out to nutritionists or dietitians? Like how common is that in your, your practice or how often do you really see that that is something that comes up? I definitely think that like nutrition is a key part to people's recovery. Yes. Uh, so with yeah. each um, person that comes in, we like to take like more of a holistic approach. So we talk about how stress, sleep, and nutrition can all factor into our recovery process as well as um, like our pain experience. Uh, so we actually met this dietitian and she made up like a little informational sheet that we can give to our clients. So we give them that. It's all about nutrition and the important nutrients to hit when people are recovering from injury. So we like to give that out to like literally everybody that comes in. And then if they have further questions that we can't answer, then uh, we haven't come to the point where we've had to refer them out yet because we haven't had too many in-depth questions. Mm. Um, but we would definitely do that. Like, it's not something we would hesitate to do. Do you hear that, everyone? I'm not lying. <laughs> oh, it's like, this is so, like, refreshing because I'm so sick of people being like, if only I did more stretchy band exercises in my warm-ups, then I wouldn't be injured. And I'm like, oh, you need to sleep and eat enough food. Like, oh, my God. So, yeah, this is great. Yeah, Drake, what were you thinking? Um, yeah, I was going to say something like um, one of the main questions that we get that I – feel like I don't know how to answer well would be like the whole collagen question oh I got lots of answers yeah. for you <laughs> um because um well we have like a fair amount of things to sample in the office and that being one of them but Kimmy and I we actually don't take it ourselves and I haven't because I'm not taking it I'm like I haven't taken a deep mm -hmm. dive on mm -hmm. the research myself so I'm like you know I know there's enough to be of interest um for sure but i'm like i don't have a great answer yeah the i'll speak to that quickly because the preliminary research is really incredible and of course it needs to expand and within each discipline but the evidence is i would say pretty like on par across the board that it is beneficial because it actually promotes your body's own collagen synthesis because it gives it the amino acids that your body needs in order to create its own. So of course, with your, your natural collagen production, you need certain nutrients as well. And a lot of companies will put those into the product themselves, but there's really no clear um, identifier in these research papers that we'll talk about the add-ons. It's kind of like just the the three amino acids that primarily make up collagen are are big uh, supporters and promoters of our own natural synthesis. So when taken over time, it's supposedly really good at injury prevention and recovery. And I I don't actually know why 
like if you aren't taking it, why you may not see the same results. I think the research is still so new, but it is really promising. And I really hope that it continues and the time frame when you take it, because everybody's like, oh, take it 30 minutes before your session. But if the data only tests that, like, is there a better time? You know, if, if we're only standardizing for that, like, okay, yeah, it works. But what about at breakfast what about later it's after your session in brownie or i don't know you know however you, you bake want. with it i don't have good questions. yeah i'm hungry i think it is interesting <laughs> though it's it's a really cool cool supplement that seems promising i think as like a quick follow-up to that is there like are there any certain vitamins that play a role in the absorption because i've heard oh, i know things. this one just kidding you do it though. well in terms of absorption um Potentially, but the other nutrients that are important for collagen production are vitamin C, uh, silicon to an extent, copper, um, there's an, uh, well, protein, of course, generally getting enough calories during the day. So it's, it's kind of a big collective, you know, thing that works together. And if you have those nutrients in the diet, of course, you're already getting collagen production, but giving yourself a boost, it's kind of like, well... It's just here you go additional things that you need in the body we're gonna just give it directly to you instead of you having to create it out of not thin air that's not how that that's works not but how matter conservation works entropy i don't know <laughs> law <laughs> of whatever <laughs> caitlin okay quick quick question about this because i feel like yeah wow there's nothing people love to get in internet fights about more than nutrition and i'm sure you know that oh well. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but would you say that if you're like in a place with your nutrition where you're maybe not getting enough protein or like enough calories in general would like adding collagen on top of that not be like that effective because you don't really have your bases covered like what are your thoughts on that just just in terms of like things people should focus on when they are recovering from an injury or in general I would always support food first and this goes across the board for a lot of things um so certainly collagen is helpful and it's it's not necessarily going to not help if if you are taking it but if yeah your protein and your calories are generally low and you're in a, a consistent energy deficit and you just don't have the tools to recover, collagen's not going to make that up for you because it's it's kind of the difference too. If you think about collagen versus a protein powder, they're not one and the same. You can't take collagen and expect it to have the same impact as protein powder because it's it really is completely different. Protein powder has all of the amino acids you need. Collagen has three. So very different only three damn (laughs) (laughs) this wow this is really cool this is see y'all this is like a whole team of people that would sort of work together if you had an injury which brings me to um another question that i had which is kind of like at what point in an injury as a rock climber is it time to seek the help of a medical professional like what you know and what severity like yeah what would you say like say something starts to hurt and i would say it's annoying enough that it's changing the way you're climbing like when do you see someone about that i think um the fact that you say annoying enough that it changes the way you're climbing is probably an indicator that maybe it is time to see a professional Mm. i think um the way i think of it is like if we're doing like a pain scale of one to ten, ten being like I'm being mauled by a grizzly bear, one being like <laughs> my foot tickles and never there. itches a little bit. Um, <laughs> if you're in that like one to two range, 
and it's only been like a day or two maybe then maybe it'll just heal up on its own and that you can keep climbing that kind of thing but if it is in like that four to five range where it is like kind of affecting how you're doing things and it's nagging and changing the way that you're climbing maybe then it's time to see a professional or if it's even in like a two to three range but it's been going on for a few weeks now especially like we'll have people come in after years even oh my god like pain yeah they're like oh my shoulder hurts after every time i climb like maybe it doesn't hurt that much you know and maybe it is just at like that two or three pain level but if it's been hurting for that long it's an indicator that you should have probably seen a healthcare professional by now um and yeah come in and see a physical therapist and then hopefully they can help you not have pain after every time you climb do you think that there's ever really a point where you're like eh, you're probably just worrying or is it is it potentially good to just kind of rule it out you know maybe i think a lot of climbers are hyper aware of injuries and instead of well you have the two people right lauren it's people who are like i'm injured and i'm going to do nothing about it because i refuse and then you have the people who are like i did a thing and i have a minor tweak and now i need surgery and i can't climb anymore and i feel like there's really no there's no (laughs) in between like this is at least what i experienced with my athletes i feel like it's like two different types of people someone where like they're like yesterday in my session i did a move and it hurt while i did it so then i stopped doing the move and then it stopped hurting. And then I'm usually like, did it hurt an hour later? And they're like, no. I'm like, did it hurt the next day? I'm like, no. What about the next day? Also, no. And I'm like, I probably wouldn't worry too much about it. <laughs> like, and then, or like, yeah, it's kind of things like that. So there's that where it's like every time something hurts, we like think about it. Or then there's the other one where people are like, I have a pulley injury, but I'm going to do, I'm going to not rock climb and then I'm going to rehab it myself. And then it's going to take four months for it to get better. And then I'm going to re-injure it immediately after that. Cause I'll probably <laughs> re-up my training again. And <laughs> sorry, someone out there in the audience is probably triggered as shit right now. It's attacking me. Stop attacking me. But yeah, like I'm sure y'all see this all the time, but I think like, so usually with climbing injuries, like let's say you are kind of in that, you know, four to six out of 10 and it's been bothering you for a couple of weeks. Like, not that you can really tell me, but like, what's g- usually the time frame of like feeling better when you have like an annoying, whether it's your finger, your shoulder, your elbow, like blah, blah, blah. Like what's, how long does it usually take like in a span of months to like see improvement and like have those things just kind of resolve themselves? I know that's a really general question, but <laughs> <laughs> hazard your best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally depends on the situation and uh, the person and how they react um, to, to pain itself. Uh, this can go off of their past experience. Um, maybe this is the second, third time with the same body part being affected. That's going to totally change the game too. Um, but yeah, I think it just totally depends on the severity, usually a matter of weeks, uh, in terms of like when you actually go see a rehab provider, you'll see benefit. That's pretty sweet. Cause I've definitely seen people like try to DIY stuff and they'll be like, yeah, I bet I'll be better in three months. I'm like, you could probably be better in like a month. Maybe if you just went to see someone that knows like actually what's happening. Oh, let me ask you all this. So when it comes to like how you like to see coaches, like, cause obviously, okay. Just like a quick PSA coaches are not rehab professionals. We are not doctors. We can't diagnose your injury and we can't prescribe like ways to fix it. Like obviously as a coach, I see people with like 
little pain here, little pain there. And I know how to modify things to try to like get the pain to go down. But at the end of the day, if it's two weeks later and the way we're modifying stuff hasn't gotten better, that's what I'm usually like, we need to refer out. So kind of like what's in your, your all's opinion, like what do you like to see coaches do when it comes to like helping their athletes through injury? And like, what are things that you wish like coaches understood about like their role in the whole thing? Uh, I think the, the coach in general manages the training volume. That's one of the main jobs of the coach. And I think if you intertwine that with like the rehab recommendations, usually volume is decreased. So in general, what coaches can do is when things start getting tweaky is manage volume. That, yeah, that's like, usually I'll, yeah, I think we've definitely talked about this before, but usually my MO is if something starts to hurt, this is like my pro tip to my athletes and y'all feel free to be like, that's good. Or I would add this, but usually what I end up doing is I say like, if something's not feeling too good, we're going to try to decrease the volume of, you know, if there's a particular session where you're like, my finger always hurts after this, I'll be like, cool. We're going to like decrease the volume of that session. We're also going to try to just go with like lower velocity type activities. So that just literally means like, let's not land really hard on our fingers and maybe we're going to do more like static slow type climbing. And then usually we'll go into like static reduced volume mode for a week. And a lot of times it resolves itself then. And if it doesn't, then we kind of just keep going with that. Or if it's still not resolving, then it's like, okay, we need to see someone and get like some actual rehab going. But yeah, what would you all say to that? Like, what would you add to that? Or yeah, because that's usually how I operate in these situations so yeah I think that's pretty much perfect I mean that's like one (laughs) that's like the lowest hanging fruit especially when it comes to climbers is that um we want to train 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 right oh yeah climb 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 everything and um usually like when people are getting injured yeah there are like acute traumatic injuries but most of the time Um, it's some sort of overuse thing. So managing volume and managing the way that we're climbing. So you're saying like doing more static things, avoiding like these dynamic fast motions that can go a long ways to helping them with that pain. And I think you're doing it exactly right. Like by managing those, if it isn't decreasing their pain, if they're still having that pain after a few weeks of changing up their training parameters, then yeah, it's probably a good time to see a PT or some sort of healthcare professional. Sweet. There you have it, folks. If something starts to hurt, try like those couple things and it might help. Yeah. Drake, what were you? <laughs> no, I was just going to piggyback. I think that's totally correct. I think in the majority of what we see in this population is tendon related pain a lot of times. And if we kick down velocity and kick down volume, usually those are the two things that are going to be the biggest uh, helper immediately. And I think if you look at the most common, let's say, cause or predictor for injury in climbing, it's training volume and previous injury to that area. Hmm. Also to tag on to that, I, I don't know if any of you have seen that well, there's two documentaries on Netflix. One is about Michael Jordan, and then the other one is Misty Copeland, who, for those of you who don't know, it's a ballerina. But they, in both documentaries, go through the network of professionals who work with these athletes. And I think what's different about climbing is that we're so new. We don't really know. It's like, okay, yeah, climbing and training, they go together. We got it. We, it makes sense. We know, but now these other modalities to help us become better climbers and be better athletes. I feel like it's kind of lost 
a little bit. Maybe it's getting better, but it's like you have, I feel like Michael Jordan probably has his own like personal PT. He has his own chiropractor. He's like three of them. Nutritionist, <laughs> you know, like all these people. Yeah, exactly. And then I think for climbers, it's like these are really important tools to help us feel better, you know, physical therapy, training, of course, we know. And then I feel like nutrition is starting to come up too. So it's just, it's interesting to see and, and hear how it's evolving maybe. Yeah. And I guess I'll just provide a quick sort of pro tip because obviously we're all, the four of us are presently in America where like, you know, uh, healthcare doesn't just grow on trees here. So it's kind of like a spicy situation. And yeah, I'm sure you guys could speak on this, but like, yeah, I'm sure like if you were talking to like insurance companies about prescribing someone hangboarding, the insurance companies would be like, what's a hangboard? And then it's like a whole thing. So anyways, like a pro tip. First of all, Caitlin is like a certified nutrition specialist. So like if you work with her, you can use money from a health savings account to work with her. Like this is medical care. And then like same thing with like your physical therapist. I don't know if y'all take insurance, but it's kind of like, yeah, it just seems like it's challenging to work with insurance in these co- in this country when it comes to climbing. But if there's a way to get a health savings account through your company. Um, obviously this is not a financial podcast, but like that's personally what I do. Um, yeah, but just like a quick tip, if you do have access to an HSA and you're like, man, I'd really like to like get some help, but like this type of service isn't covered through insurance or whatever, like this is a good, it's a good way to do it where you can, you know, save a little, little money and have it be like a medical thing, but like take care of your bodies. This is what drives me crazy. I'm like, your shoes costs like a hundred two hundred dollars your rope costs whatever all this gear whatever can you like your fingers are a pretty important piece of gear like spend a little money making sure they work like yeah i mean i know money's like challenging but you know i would Mm -hmm. also argue too if if money is what's preventing you from going to seek the help that you really do need and and not just you know so you can climb better so you can just generally feel better in your day-to-day life talk to these professionals and see if there's a payment plan or some type of option that that will fit within your budget because at the end of the day we're not trying to say oh well sorry it's an exclusive club it's it's not like that at all it's just you know we we want to genuinely help however we can yeah like you might as well ask like I have plenty of friends that have been like I really need to go see like a therapist for my mental health I can't afford a therapist they reach out to therapists and they're like hey this is what I can afford to pay and a lot of times like the therapist will work it out so might as well give it a shot right yeah I think that's a big thing for people like people are so afraid of any sort of healthcare cost because healthcare is scary crazy here it's (laughs) unreal um but it's just like one of those things like um, any sort of small business owner, like, yes, we want to make money and be successful and not have to live on the street too. <laughs> um, but like, ultimately we went into these professions because we want to help people. Like our ultimate goal is not to be, you know, these millionaires and, no. you know, just <laughs> dropping cash everywhere. Like we want to be there to help people get better, feel better, live healthier lives. So totally, you can always work it out somehow. Yeah, especially if you're like, hey, I actually really need this and I'm going to like do my stuff and like, you know, like it's all we really want is like we want you to want a good end result and we want to help you and we want you to be like committed to doing the things that need to happen to get you there. So if you're going to be like a good athlete to work with, like, yeah, it's nice. It's nice for everyone involved if you're like committed to the process. So, yeah. yeah. Ooh, unrelated random question. 
do you have any tips for like like building the habit out of actually doing your physical therapy because i'm sure that you all feel this a lot where you're like if you do the thing you would feel better like but what are your tips for kind of like building that in so that people actually like can get it done because i'm sure compliance to the protocol is something that can be a struggle for people when it comes to physical therapy yeah i think the easiest thing to do and what i do in most cases is we do the rehab type exercises as a warm-up for the regular workout yeah so you can't skip that part if you know i mean you can but (laughs) but uh it's a lot harder to do if you're gonna do it in the warm-up if you're like oh i'm gonna complete my rehab after my session it's not gonna happen you won't do it you won't but yeah as part of the warm-up's great i will say i have i have done when i've gone i will do it as part of my warm-up will i always do it to full completion no part of that's just because of like the facilities at my climbing gym don't allow me to do everything perfectly but i'm like my shoulder's feeling better and doing some of it's better than nothing so yeah that's a really good point like do it as part of the warm-up and get it done yeah kimmy do you have thoughts on that other tips yeah i think it's just a matter of kind of talking with your patient and seeing what sort of equipment they have access to um so like some people don't go to the gym some people only have like home equipment to work with or like minimal equipment so how can we adapt these exercises so that you can actually do them wherever you end up being you know yeah just make it like path of least resistance for sure hmm okay i feel like i i'll close this out with um, caitlin unless you have more burning questions i have so many but we do not have that amount of time (laughs) i know y'all have to come back for a sequel for sure (laughs) one through eight (laughs) yes also wait before before we like hop back on after the break caitlin and i were both like so something's wrong with like this part of our body and then i was like send us a bill later we're gonna talk about this but like my ankles messed up and i need help so yeah (laughs) anyways but i do want to close close this out with one last question so what do you wish climbers under like if there's one thing that you could just like magically like flip a switch and every rock climber understands this about physical therapy and how it relates to climbing like what would that be you can have more than one answer but what would make your job like a thousand times easier if people understood it uh i think like the number one thing for me is that rest is rarely the answer um so a lot of people will get hurt and then they'll either go climb a bunch of easy stuff and do a lot high volume of it, or they'll just take time off completely. And unless we're giving the stimulus that we're trying to get back to, to our body, our body's not going to do anything about it. So that's why when you rest and you go back three months later and after it doesn't hurt and then it hurts immediately, it's because you did not prepare for what you're trying to do. Follow up. Have you ever heard of hormesis? Is that a Greek tragedy? (laughs) (laughs) The tragedy of hormesis. So... The theory of hormesis is that when you put stress on your body, it helps your body adapt. So where this comes into context is like antioxidants. So if you take antioxidants, you might actually be hindering this process of hormesis. And I feel like that's kind of the same thing. I've, you know, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm cherry picking words, but I think that if you avoid doing the same thing, you're, you're not stimulating what you're trying to recover and also get back you might be like hindering that healing process is that is that kind of like a how you know the way it is, <laughs> <laughs> is it'd it be is? like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like exactly what I'm saying. Basically, if you don't do the thing that you're trying to get back to, then you won't be able to do the thing. Um, so like so freaking y'all yeah. and this is good news because who who wants to take time off climbing right this is great news sound sound the church bells we're all happy don't rest just <laughs> get get back to rock climbing that's yeah that's awesome yeah so a lot of times instead of like taking time off it's more of like how can we change the session in order so that you can still do things but a lot of times the session changes but the actual participation doesn't change it's like, how do we load these tissues in a way that are going to create that adaptation that we're searching for? Um, so that's where I think a rehab professional can really come in handy is like teaching you how to load it correctly. Um, but yeah. Yeah. What would you, wait, what would your answer be? Or are you just like, what retweet? was the question again? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I will restate it. So if there was like one thing that you could like flip a switch and make every rock climber understand about the relationship between like physical therapy and climbing, what would that be? I think there's like a lot of disconnect where people are just like afraid of going to see a physical therapist because maybe number one, they don't want to fork out the money or number two, they think they're super independent or they think that, hey, we're going to tell you to stop climbing completely. And I know we touched on this before, but like if you are seeing a professional that tells you to stop climbing completely, they're probably the wrong professional for you to see. Um, So I think that's the big thing for me is like, your physical therapist should be able to meet you where you are, should be able to modify maybe the way you are doing things, but they should never be telling you like, hey, you can't do this sport. Like, this is not going to be a good part of your life. Wow. Y'all just dropped some hammers. I'm also looking at a literal hammer. Josh, why is there a hammer in your office? <laughs> what? Who don't know? It's okay. To lay down the law. <laughs> yeah. Case Lauren and Caitlin get too silly. We got to <laughs> bang the gavel. We should have gavels. Wow. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay. Can you remind, can you all remind everyone where they can find you and how to work with you should a pain in their shoulder or finger or wherever arise or ankle <laughs> asking for friends me and lauren yeah well we, we're you're just gonna send us a bill after this so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you can find us on instagram at at peak pursuit rehab our website is peak-rehab.com um and any other place they can find us drake in salt lake city <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> yeah generally speaking we do both remote and in-person services so if you're not even in salt lake city yeah we can generally help you um so we usually talk to people and make sure they're a good fit and then we move on from there awesome well i'm psyched i'm psyched to well hopefully i won't have to send my athletes to you but when things happen we'll all be sending them over so awesome well thanks so much for joining us and putting up with our shenanigans it's been such a pleasure yeah, thanks, getting y'all. to pick your brains and i think think that'll do it caitlin what do you think absolutely i mean we're gonna continue the conversation yeah we're gonna update you on our messed (laughs) up feed after this but until until next time everyone keep it average lauren here i hope you enjoyed today's discussion with kimmy and drake of peak pursuit performance You can book a consultation with Drake and Kimmy by going to their website, peak-rehab.com. And we've linked their contact information in the show notes. Now I'll close us out with our production credits and some announcements. If you're looking for one-on-one nutrition coaching, Caitlin has your back. 
You can book a free 15-minute clarity call with Caitlin by tapping the link in our show notes to find out if nutrition coaching is right for you. Additionally, make sure to check out goodsprayclimbing.com for all your training needs. From strength programs to bouldering to root climbing, Good Spray has you covered. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. This show is produced by Josh Hayfley with our favorite furry production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney of the American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com to learn more about the other great shows in the collective. See you next time, and until then, keep it average.